Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line now. We have connected with Nathan King of 247 Sports, Auburn Undercover. Nathan, I assume you know what we've been talking about, uh, but hope you're doing very well and uh, can't wait to talk to you about a, a numerous amount of things going on in college football. Uh, sorry about the delay there. Yes, yes, I am 100%. <laughs> I, I, can, I can pick up the context clues of, of what has been one of the best days on Twitter in the last couple months. So yeah. It's definitely been plenty entertaining. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have a couple Auburn-specific questions for you, Nathan. Obviously, they got a commitment yesterday, but we will hold off that for the sake of continuity and, and begin talking uh, or continue talking about uh, what's been said between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, what was your initial reaction uh, both when you saw what Nick Saban said last night and then you saw the fact that Jimbo Fisher was immediately calling a press conference for 10 a.m. this morning? So first of all, I think, I mean, it's, it's obviously just hilarious more than anything. Um, like you said, you know, before I, before I got on, it's two of the most uh, prominent coaches in the sport, but it's also two guys that now with Jimbo sort of ascending to this level of recruiting, um, that, I mean, they're just, they're just pointing fingers at each other saying the exact same thing. I mean, there's no one is necessarily right or, or no one's really wrong in this scenario either, but it's hilarious more than anything else. I think just because, I mean, wasn't Saban, wasn't he at like a charity event last night? And he decided that would be the right setting to just put homeboy on blast, like just out of nowhere, like with his legs crossed up there, just going at him. I thought that was absolutely hilarious that he decided, yep, May 18th, this is when I'm just going to go scorched earth on Jimbo Fisher. Um, and then, man, I mean, Jimbo, I know Jimbo's a fiery guy, and, and, and I actually, I, Jimbo's personality actually is, is, is pretty fun to me, I think, sometimes. A lot of Auburn fans don't necessarily think so, but. Um, man, I was not expecting that kind of response. I, I think I was expecting something maybe a little more PC, um, you know, just kind of beating around the subject. Um, I mean, that, that relationship between them is done. It's over. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of this is you – know, it's, it's all so glorified. It's all, um, it's all very performative. I think that's kind of been the word of the year so far in, in sports and beyond. It, it's very showy. I think maybe a little more from Jimbo's side than Nick's side, but of course it's all it's all entertainment. But at the same time, these guys are these guys are trying to stick up for their programs. But for me, it all comes down to everyone's like, "Oh man, no, I can't wait for October 8th. Why? Alabama's going to win fifty-five to seventeen. It does. This is not going to hold any weight on the outcome of, of this year's game. Maybe in a few years, and maybe it matters for you know overall NIL and kind of the trajectory of the sport at large. But um, it's just that that's been the funniest part to me. The best tweet of the day was the guy saying, "Wow, Jimbo is heated. I really feel bad for whoever their Duke Mayo Bowl opponent is going to be." <laughs> but yeah, it's just been it's been great entertainment. The content has been tremendous. It, it has been tremendous, and it's great for Auburn fans because Auburn is not for once caught up in it. Uh, necessarily, and w- w- we started the show by playing the full clip, Nathan, because you mentioned it was it's like a charity event, and so we wanted to provide the full context just so everybody knew, like how it came out, and it seemed to me still very tr- uh, puzzling how it came out because basically for the the four minutes prior, it was here's what NIL was intended to do, here's how it's actually working out, and here's what the University of Alabama is doing about it. And then, oh, by the way, here's why we only finished second in recruiting. It's because of it's because of Jimbo Fisher and because they're just a bunch of cheaters over there. Um, and, and so do you think this is the end of this? Do you think this will simmer? Do you think Greg Sankey is going to get involved here? What's the next step? So, yeah, that was disappointing to see. I saw Spencer Hall say, no, don't call the cops now about uh, Ross Bjork, apparently, according to Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, um, Texas A&M Beatty is stepping in and saying um, that, that Saban, I mean, I, I, 
I'm, I'm sure he's telling the truth, but, you know, he, he broke some sort of bylaws. I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe on the same wavelength as, like, public tampering and stuff like that. I don't think you can just go out and badmouth, just like you can't do it to officials. I don't think you can just publicly do that to, to your fellow SEC head coach. You can do it like Lane Kiffin does, where he just does it, you know, cryptically with memes and, and tweets. But, yeah, Saban, Saban might have might have broken some, uh, some bylaws there. Um, but I think, you know, unfortunately this is probably – going to settle down and, and both of them are probably going to avoid the subject a lot at the, at the spring meetings in Destin but once SEC media days rolls around hopefully fingers crossed um, because I believe Jimbo is going on the same day as Auburn I think Texas and Auburn are both on Thursday so fingers crossed that we that, that it'll have been long enough and both of them particularly Jimbo will feel comfortable um, bringing it back up again but something that Jason called while we, we just finished up our podcast was brought up a good point about it might have also been Nick Saban kind of nudging the, the Alabama NIL people and you know making them, you know, sort of saying to them in, in not so many words, hey, well, how come we didn't land these guys? You know, how, how, come, how come Texas A&M is beating us um, at our own game? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's all just a lot of he said, she said. And I think, unfortunately, um, it, will, it will come to an end pretty soon, but we can certainly squeeze it for, uh, for as much as it's got in <laughs> And enjoy it like we, you know, as much as we can. Like you said, Auburn fans have been able to do that because, um, you know, for the first time in you know, a few months, which you know, they they obviously had some offseason drama of their own. They're not involved in the drama, so they can just get back and enjoy it. Well, and, and as you also just alluded to, uh, finally Auburn going on Thursday for about the twelfth straight year of SEC media days will finally pay off a little bit. Um, you know, uh, speaking of Auburn, obviously they got a, a really good player last night in Morris Joseph, defensive lineman. Uh, unfortunately, being overshadowed, or, or fortunately, depending on the point of view, uh, being overshadowed a little bit. But a big commitment for Auburn. Tell us a little bit about uh, Morris Joseph. Yeah, so he visited a week ago, um, and it sort of seemed like Auburn had become his leader um, at that point. Lots of experience for him. Uh, started out his career at UTSA, actually, all the way back in 2017, class of 2017. Um, and so I'm not sure, you know, what Auburn guys you could compare that to, but um, I think maybe a guy like a Kyle Davis, you know, remember him, the wide receiver? I think he might have been class of 2017. So he's been around the game for a while. Some injuries um, came up and ended up transferring to Memphis where he played for three years. His best season was in 2020, that COVID-shortened year, where Memphis actually ended up playing 11 games that season. Um, he was third in the American in tackles for loss with 11 and a half, and he was fourth in the conference in sacks. Dealt with a bit of a minor injury last season but was still a decently productive player four and a half tackles for loss so all told over the past two seasons he's got 16 and a half cfls which um you know if you if you stack that up on auburn's roster over the past couple of years really the only guy that would hold up with is a guy like Derek hall and so um and then and colby wooden on the interior so brian harson pinpointed three position groups that he knew needed help in the transfer portal wide receiver the, the back end of that defensive backfield like a safety and then along the defensive line, that was a couple weeks ago when we talked to him, and, and since then they've, they've gotten every single one of them. They've checked off all three of those boxes. I think you still 100% need an edge guy just because you only have three scholarship bodies at that position. But this was a bit of an underrated position of need for Auburn looking at the defensive line because so much is made of a guy like Colby Wooden um, and a guy like Marcus Harris. They're both, they're both you know, great players. Colby Wooden will probably be a, be a mid, mid to high round draft pick. But just the depth situation is not great. So you're slowly starting to ease some of those concerns that Auburn fans might have had back in February when the, when the transfer portal was looking pretty dire. You get a guy like Marquise Robinson who pulls out of the portal. 
Jeffrey Embaugh is here for the spring. He's going to be healthy for the fall. Um, and now you pick up a guy, an experienced player on the interior, and, and Morris Joseph. And so I think the, the depth issues along the defensive line, other than edge, other than pass rushers, they've still got to fix that. But at the true defensive line spots, I think it's mostly been uh, been solved at this point. So you might be looking at one or two more transfers for Auburn because Brian Harkin did say a couple weeks ago he wanted this team to be completed by the end of May because by the time June workout started, he wanted everybody here who was going to be here. So we might see a little bit more action um, in the transfer market for Auburn over the next couple of weeks. And Nathan, along these same lines, you've done a great uh, job, and if you, you people out there haven't read it yet, the Tigers Talent Tracker series that you've done over on Auburn Undercover, great, great series that you've done. The latest one that you put, up, put out yesterday was about the Auburn transfers and how they stacked up against the SEC. How does, uh, give us a rundown of, of how that, you know, how they stack up, and does this new transfer affect that ranking anyway? Yeah, I jumped the gun a little bit, didn't I? Um, <laughs> it's about five or six hours before Morris Joseph. Um, committed, but I think South Carolina got somebody later in the day too. So you know, there's there's really no way to know um, when it's going to stop. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize Georgia has not brought in a transfer, a a singular transfer. Um, I think they're in it for that Florida A and M pass rusher, the guy that was like leading the country in in sacks. But um, 12 of the 13 other teams um, in the conference have landed at least five transfers. Texas A and M um, only. We just talked about them. They only got two transfers, including Max Johnson, but. So if you look at the 24-7 sports transfer rankings, Auburn was at number eight um, with seven transfers. Now they're up at eight. And as I'm looking at it right now, that does not affect um, – that, that does not allow them to jump over Kentucky. Kentucky's at number seven um, with eight transfers of their own. But, you know, just just as I look through, you know, certain parts of this, this, this five-part series, um, you know, it was interesting to kind of gain new perspective on, on certain parts of Auburn's roster because that's, that's all this was really for is just to assess how does Auburn's roster look compared to everyone else in the SEC? And some things that I had been thinking weren't necessarily correct. And I, I, I had been thinking Auburn would be like at the bottom of the transfer the transfer rankings just because oh, they hadn't brought in that many guys. Um, and some of these guys you know, didn't really produce. I think Zach Calzada is a really big boost um, for them. And then a guy like DJ James, people, um, people don't really remember, um, he's a starter for like a year and a half at cornerback for Oregon, which is a very, very talented defense system. Both of those guys are, are boosting this group a little bit, allowing Auburn to be in the middle of the pack there in the in the transfer rankings, which is which is all you can really ask for. Um, right now, I think the biggest thing for Brian Harson and his staff is getting the same level of productivity out of these transfers that they did last season. Because boy, I mean, other than Jordan Ingram at running back, every single transfer they brought in last year mattered, and most of them mattered in a pretty big way. I mean, T.J. Finley, I mean, it ended up. Being a starter the past the last few games of the season, you know, Tony Fair was the starter at nose tackle. By Darius Knighton was the starting safety. Demetrius Robertson was the starting wide receiver. Etuliota became a great player. So it's like you really have to hope this coaching staff, if you're Auburn, that's going to help you out in a huge way if they can you know get that same hit rate of production from these guys um, that they did last year in the transfer portal. Talking to Nathan King of 247 Sports Auburn Undercover. One more for you, Nathan. And another uh, nugget of news yesterday that was very significant in college football uh, that the NCAA now allowing uh, conferences to field their own, decide their own championships, basically, uh, in a less constructive way, or, or at least having uh, more ways of doing it. The Pac 12 immediately then announcing that they will have the top two percent by percentage teams, regardless of divisions in their Pac-12 championship game next year. What do you think of this, and what do you think it means for the SEC here down the road? Yeah, the SEC's you know, got to be formulating something moving forward um, in regards to that. I would think this is something that the commissioners were definitely on pace with and understood, considering, like you said, it was such a quick 
turnaround for the Pac-12 saying, oh, this is, this is our plan, obviously. You know, they, they knew this was coming, and so the SEC is definitely on top of that. You're looking at this time of year is when conference realignment stuff starts to really churn. It's like June and July where it, it dominates the conversation. Last year, the highlighter, of course, was, was the, the scoop at, at SEC Media Day, sort of that bombshell um, where Texas and Oklahoma were joining the league. Um, it makes a lot of sense right now in 2022 to do this because in the next couple of years, you guys know, I mean, we're about to see a massive, massive, massive shift in conference realignment. You're talking about the Big 12 is going to get realigned in a big way and obviously the SEC. And so it might just make more sense to do away with the, the traditional divisions um, across the sport if it's going to be done in a couple of power conferences. It's probably got to be done in the rest of them. And so we get to speculate for the rest of the offseason and, and until the SEC makes a decision on it, what this sort of pod system could look like um, for Auburn and the rest of the SEC and what the, what the conference at large can look like once Texas and Oklahoma join. But, yeah, I mean, I think it allows for a lot more fun, I think, for all these conferences when you really – um, look at the scheduling possibilities not being locked in. I think a lot of people, um, you know, divisions are, are, are kind of a little bit of an archaic concept. I mean, I, when you look at, you know, maybe two, two of the best teams in the conference that, that should have been competing over the past few years, I don't know if it necessarily even changes. And the SEC, it certainly doesn't. Georgia and Alabama are going to be the best, too. It doesn't change for a lot of leagues who would be playing. Um, but, you know, teams, teams will, I think it'll hurt. Somebody like the ACC, um, where one division has just been so much stronger than the other over the past few years. So, but it does make a lot of sense right now. It does make sense with the timing um, because you've got to get all this stuff figured out you know, a couple years in advance because it really does feel like we are inching closer and closer as the months go by to, to some sort of announcement about what this major conference realignment is going to look like. Talking to Nathan King here. Nathan, what do you and the, and the guys have up ahead at uh, Auburn Undercover and 247? I imagine some uh, more coverage on the transfer portal and uh, what else you got going on? Yeah, of course, we'll be, be keeping track of the transfer market to see um, what's going on. They're, they're in on a, uh, um, a JUCO defensive tackle that I talked to earlier this week. That's something that I don't think people have necessarily thought of too much because of, you know, the transfer market is such a big thing. But Auburn's coaches did a great job on the JUCO route. Um, going back to guys like Jeffrey Embaugh and Marquis Gilbert and, and Keontae Scott, if they can get some help there, maybe that's what they need. Um, Jason Caldwell, of course, is the, is the ace um, baseball coverage guy, and so he's going to have – all the coverage you can ask for, Auburn and Kentucky are playing in Lexington for the final SEC series of the season. And then Auburn softball uh, is in Clemson, which I understand that's where J.J. is, I think. He sure um, is. To, to start the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, football, and you know, we're a couple weeks away from, uh, from a huge recruiting month in June, so kind of just getting prepared for that. But we're going to have it all um, for you guys over at Auburn Undercover. Well, we appreciate the time as always, Nathan. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, y'all, thanks.